Uh, welcome to Well You See, episode four. Uh, five. Five. <laughs> Great start. Welcome to Well You See, episode five. Uh, our first in-person recording, which um, is weird. And sure to have a host of technical issues we'll have to work out later. Uh, also a first, here we're to- not talking about a piece of media we watched or read with our faces or with our ears. We're talking about uh, wargaming and 3D printing, uh, specifically OSR, which is uh, old school revival or old school renaissance, depending on who you ask. Uh, we have our guest today is Caleb. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Caleb is our resident uh, DW maniac. Histor- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and historical wargamings dude. Yeah. Um, Adam knows nothing about wargaming. I, I know very little. I know only what I've picked up from the hashtag miniatures um, screen that goes the, on the console. Discord <laughs> channel. That That's fair. There. But you know a lot about 3D printing. And a couple things. Yeah, just to be, I, I might be able to see five printers without moving very much. <laughs> I think of this Minecraft setup, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like the old engineering mods you could do where it like auto mine and stuff. Yeah, so what I say I was talking about is, is I have a, a, a shelf with five 3D printers on it, and that's not all of them. Yeah, that's just where I came from here. Um, but uh, the weird thing is uh, 3D printing is kind of what bringing a lot of these old Games Workshop games back around. Yeah, right? just anything. Yeah. It's, these were games that were very small runs out of what's called Specialist Arms. Uh, they did... Uh, what is like... Early 2000s, they did what was called Specialist Games and had a magazine for it called Fanatic, which my, what I understood about it, like, the guys that did it was, like, that company used to be 20 people. And, like, five of those guys were, like, what if we played other games, like, made new games, and they just wrote rules for them and took miniatures and sometimes got miniatures sculpted because one of the guys there was a sculptor and just made them. And, yeah, and these were, like, for my opinion, these were, like, small runs, like, they were sm- smaller. It's, I just don't know enough about how big the scale was because it's like sm- I want to say like small runs, but I remember like being in a shop back in the day and there was like a six by eight shelf full of these. The thing now is they're all like I forgot what the year twenty fifteen, all of them gone. Just yeah. like they took everything down, and overnight all those miniatures that you could order were like gone, and everyone freaked out. And then for years it was like the ebay trade you just have to work through ebay which has been talking about a spike this past year which might actually correlate with how much 3d printing stuff i've seen this past year COVID hits basically i think every nerd out there who wanted to sorry that's fine (laughs) every nerd out there who wanted to like buy their special out of production army on ebay did it because you can't find any of this stuff anymore and like you might as well it's gone (laughs) yeah but now like like every i think i feel like it lasts two years maybe like every sculptor like in the world is, has a shop open to sell like not gw sculpts right okay i was gonna yeah. ask about that because like you like you said I, I know nothing about this um but like are you talking about people are printing actual gw sculpts or they're like that are licensed or that they're just not licensed at all and no one cares no they're not for gw games 
winky face. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> it, it's just new kinds. Yeah, they double shot themselves. Not not shot themselves in the foot because they're fine. But like they're mo- they have a dude now like called a savage auruk because they want their own names for all their stuff to TM oh, it. Okay. But that means that the 3D print guy just has to go like make it work with a loincloth and a bone in his hand, and he can just be like. Savage Orc, STL, $5, and, like, it's done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and not even have to worry about getting sued or anything. Well, <laughs> what's great is how creative they are, that they're like, it's not Thousand Suns, it's uh, Egyptian uh, stellar mercenary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Many it, nephews. It, 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 so it's the classic, similar to, but legally distinct from yeah. Um, yeah. sort of yeah. sort of issue. And, same. and depending on the sculptor, it's, it's more or less similar. Yeah. Like, some right. people put their own spin on it. Some, some people have models that, like, are literally... I could have the three printed thing I got for free, and the GLE model next to each other, okay, and you close. might have trouble telling them apart. Oh wow! Yeah, I will. I will say this: getting that GW style is tricky. Like I'm very yeah. impressed when I see it. The big, and it goes with. I think my only rant about like the STL miniatures. They do have the. Um, I, I refer to it as like the Blizzard effect. <laughs> Sorry, it was on the creeks. <laughs> The Blizzard effect, where it's like they all look like a indie Steam PC game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they're getting better. They're getting worse. Yeah, like I'm, more styles would be nice. Yeah, and there, there's um one guy which just has to be super illegal. I'm not gonna say his name. Uh, <laughs> is exporting um the models from the Games Workshop video game and just cleaning them up for 3D printing, <laughs> which uh has to be wildly dubiously illegal but copyright's one of those funny things where like a core part of copyright is that you have to defend it yeah so like oh boy do they (laughs) well okay so then that's yeah i guess in some cases they do but like there's some things like that with like you know you're talking about like pulling stuff from old video games there's certainly old video games like you can just download but like they don't defend the copyright so no one cares no games workshop is kind of uh notorious for defending your copyright sometimes it's it truly depends on what the heck it is. Like, yeah. There's certain things they are like super militant about. Space Marines being a big one, I feel like. Yeah. Like if you, I in the uh, sculpting space, guys that do these the big bus displays. Mm-hmm. No one does. Like there's a couple that are out there now because you can like get a pass, but a lot of those don't get touched with ten foot pole because someone did one and they are like not allowed to make miniatures the suit was so bad for them oh wow oh like the, any like they cannot all. sell under their name or something oh, wow yeah so for space marines what you see mostly is um like accessories like shoulder pads that yeah. will fit on a space marine like the purchasable 3d printable like nerf mods exactly where it's like it's it'll fit but we're not selling you a nerf gun yeah the, but sorry, the, the result of that is that a lot of the sculptors are doing these old games because GW is less aggressive about yeah, they do not down. care yeah so like things I mean Blood Bowl is revived now but things like Blood Bowl which is like a football miniatures game yeah you'll see like tons of fantasy football miniatures sculpted and it's like yeah these happen to meet exactly with a Blood Bowl roster but and those those have been like no one takes those down no no and, one takes those down what's well, so like that goes to the uh, the one thing with the other thing with GW would pursue it. The one that you can do whatever you want with is space, like GW calls them space wolves. Mm-hmm. The rest of the internet, to not get sued, calls them space vikings. And the last time I talked to someone about it, they were like, it's such a rabbit hole of like legal argument to say that you've trademarked 
Nordic mythology, which well, is all they the tried. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, not not them, but was it Disney and Marvel tried to like trademark yeah. Thor, and you know, Iceland was basically just like, what yeah, the fuck, yeah, yeah. You can't. and because uh, I think they attempted that one, and someone fought it, and GW dropped it because they're like, yeah, we really can't like yell at you for just having Norse stuff, or we'd get us in much trouble if someone TM'd this. We couldn't do Space Wolves anymore because they're just Spice Vikings. Yeah, their right. entire aesthetic I mean, is just see like a dude like. A god with like runes all of them inside of it, <laughs> and all their freaking like characters are named like Ragnar, yeah, and Olaf and stuff. No, and it's it's kind of weird um, in that regard. Like what what's actually stuck around is like this very specific stuff that you'll be pursuing. Yeah, which... and I think the life because the one that sticks, the two that stick out with a lot of traction mm. are Epic and Warmaster. Yes, and I truly think it's because. It's not hard to make miniatures for it in the first place mm-hmm. from an STL standpoint. Mm-hmm. And they're fast to print and easy to print, and they look good when they're printed. Like, literally, most of the STLs for Warmaster look better than the original miniatures they made. Okay, right. so is, is that just. And Warmaster are uh, uh, like 40K and Age of Sigmar are 30 millimeter war right. games, which refers to the height of a model. Right. Uh, Warmaster is a 10 millimeter war game, and uh, Epic is. Uh, six millimeter, six millimeter, supposedly, but it's yeah. the same size as Warmaster. Yeah. So like, right. either, and that means they print on a resin printer, um, straight up, stuck to the build plate with no sports because the surface area doesn't matter. You don't need to tilt them like you do. A, oh right, yeah. Because yeah, like, they're just so small, it doesn't matter. Well, and with that, you can you print hundreds of them in in basically minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a uh, like what is it the the build plate on the Mars. Is five by six something like that. That's basically the amount of space you need for a small army. Oh my god! So in one go, you can have a ready to play with army printed like in an afternoon for that's, that game. That's so, awesome. Well, that yeah. was that was one of the things when you were first talking about this. Like I wanted to bring out, which I find the timing of it interesting. Where you've got the pandemic hits, mm-hmm. suddenly everyone's stuck at home mm-hmm. and looking into hobbies, and like resin printers are. You know, five to eight years behind FDM mm-hmm. in terms of like how good they are for a particular price point. And I feel like it was like right at that same time. I remember it was, you know, like late 2019, early 2020, where all of a sudden it was like, I get a resin printer for 200 bucks. Yeah. So it was sort of interesting timing with that, where it's like everyone's stuck at home. Hmm. I'm going to buy a resin printer and see, see what this is all about. So then, of course. Yeah. You know, and, everyone starts making STLs for war games. And, and there's like a simultaneous shift there from like, Thingiverse of like, I want every model I download to be free. Like, how dare you even consider charging money right. for something? To like, five bucks for a bunch of goblins? Sure. sure. <laughs> like, well, that, see, that's one of those things where like, I find a, a great difference between that. Cause like, you know, for me, I mostly only print functional things. Right. I don't really print, you know, aesthetically pleasing things. That's, that's necessarily. why I got Resident really cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that. Um, but like, for functional parts, mm-hmm. I'm all much more for them being open source, and especially for providing something other than the STL so that you can, you know, mix it to your own desires and, right. and do yeah. what you want. But for a sculpt, who cares? Yeah. Like, that you're not, like, if you're going to modify it, you're going to be mesh modifying it. You're, yeah. you know, you're going to load it into ZBrush or oh, whatever, yeah. and you're going to be, you're going to be modifying it as a mesh, not as, like, where 
with a mechanical part, you want like the step file for it so that you can actually like modify the components of it. Right. I, mean, I, that... I want to make this with M5 screws instead. Like I don't want to like do that manually. I want to. Right. Yeah. I, exactly. So like I always hate it when you know like mechanical parts that only have an STL. But I've also noticed that I feel like because the sculpts and all of that stuff has become more of a thing where people are willing to spend five ten dollars on them or whatever mm -hmm. that people are also now willing to spend money on like the more mechanical stuff yeah like you, oh, you're right. allowed to charge for it and like no one freaks out well i mean and we've seen that that's like a some kind of weird digital bridge that's get like crossed for different things like the same thing with when i was in college it was the music it was like what do you mean you want to be paid for an mp3 like just Right. Yeah, I bought LimeWire. Yeah, right, and now it's like, oh, I just paid him much about Spotify. Like we like we've gone through this whole like we went yeah. we went through up by digital albums until like I'll just pay this as a service. Oh, that is true. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. like, like a couple weeks ago, I, um, we were watching a movie or whatever, and something reminded me of a song that like I had that I knew I had in college, and I actually had to dive back into like on my NAS my collection of actual MP3 files, which I look at like. Once a year <laughs> to but, see if I could find them. Because, yeah, I just you know, I pay my monthly fee and I send yeah, whatever but, but I, I want. But I remember just copying that with Amazon. Of, like, oh, yeah, you got to pay 99 cents for a song. I guess that was um, iTunes was the first one. iTunes was the first one. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. 99 cents. Yeah. And it, like, that was like, so like, we just crossed that with SPL now. Like, well, yeah, of course you pay people to do something for you. Yeah, because at least the um, I'm on the dreaded Facebook for Wargaming. Like, because <laughs> it's gotten to the point now where, like, it used to be Wargaming forums is where we did all our stuff but those have mostly gone where the dodo because right. of how groups worked and in its defense like the groups interface versus old forums interfaces not too bad as far as like all that talking and stuff no. but those guys are great it's hilarious on the warmaster forwards because it's just like guys being like if someone was just like as like i am not talented i do have money someone sculpt these i will give you money <laughs> i just right. need these figures for my game which, I mean, with it being the digital aspect of it, it's kind of nice where, like, someone could maybe do a commission, but then be like, you know, I, I don't need this to be exclusive to me. Yeah. Like, sell them all you want. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's, it, you're not just getting, like, the one fee for doing the sculpting work. You can potentially, like, drag it out into, you know, hundreds of sales or more. Yeah. And to rep those, to. like, skills, one of my favorite videos of the last year is this guy named Miniac, who's one of the YouTubers, and he did a whole video series where he sells the physical of it now. But it's um he commission paid a guy to draw up a vampire for him because he's a huge vampire nerd. Mm -hmm. Then he paid a guy to take that drawing and turn it into a three D model. Mm. And then he hooked up with a caster, a resin caster guy, and was like, "Here's the three D master. Cast these for me. I'm gonna sell physicals myself." But he was basically just like, "You can have because this thing is like you can be like me and have zero artistic talent and still have a miniature produced that you can then yeah. sell." <laughs> like, you just have to pay people who do have talent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I, I would have zero talents there, and it's one of the reasons why I no longer have my resin printer, because yeah. it wasn't it's useful my, to me. I, I put my credit to you every day. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I find it hilarious. The, 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 the moment which I realized, like, okay, yeah, it makes much more sense for, for you to have that printer than me was when you sent me the picture of the five-liter jug of resin. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> That's almost gone. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, but I mean, it's like, you know, you look over here at my shelf, and I've got spools, 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 and spools of, of filament. And, like, that's not because I don't use it. <laughs> it's because I will go through it. I might be getting an FD in, like, in a month from now from a friend who's just 
he needs to get rid of it because he keeps on printing things he doesn't want, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is funny. But I was like seeing little shelves here, and I was just like, I can do this. Like, oh, yeah, I, totally. I need these totally. No, they're great. I mean, it's not to say that like FDM printers are obsolete in any way now. There's so many jobs that you still want that for. They're the toolbox printer, yeah. is my opinion. Right. Of them. Well, and like, you know, looking at the ones that I have here, I mean, those are my four Bruce's, and ignore the one on the bottom. Um, but like, those, that's basically my, my mini print farm. Yeah, they're unmodified. They're my workhorses. They just work. And um, you know, I don't worry about. It. Yeah, the crazy thing I've seen with the FDM recently is, uh, as far as from wargaming is in the historical wargaming scene. There's two designs. Well, one's not a design; it's existed since the 19th century. It's Craig Spiel, like the OG. Mm-hmm. There's a company that still prints all those rules. Mm-hmm. But what those guys do is they will print out like OG maps of like the Shenandoah Valley or say Waterloo and then they just want colored blocks with like a little etching on the side of them to be like is this the fifth hussars or is this like the 12 grenadiers so they just use these things and Mm -hmm. like print the heck out of them and the really cool one recently I think the game's gonna be called Hello Sailor but a guy's doing like the naval planning maps and he just wants like the little because battleships design was based off of actual like naval grid maps where they had like the blue and the red ships on the map, and he's like, I don't want it to look like a realistic naval battle. I just want it to look like the thing that the officers inside, like the battleship, the little croupiers, like yeah. Pushing the he's like, that's what we're going map. for. Nice, that's funny. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Well, like you've been doing terrain and stuff, Sam. Right? Yeah, yeah. With I mean, with FDM, because it's it. I, I assume there's a reason why you're doing it with that. Well, there's a few reasons. I mean, FDM is still cheaper. Like, uh, true. Like cubic inch to cubic inch. You're, yeah. Like resin costs more than. Yeah. Than filament, and that's sure. that does not matter. Well, when you're getting the fidelity you want out of a miniature, you need, you need it to be good quality, regardless. Right. But when I'm printing a three foot tall tower, I don't need the level of fidelity that you get out of a resin printer, mm-hmm. and I also don't need to spend forty five dollars worth of resin to have that <laughs> that tower. And the other thing, because the biggest competition for FDM terrain in wargaming is probably MDF terrain, mm-hmm. and even with the M- oh, just like laser cut MDF. Yeah, they laser cut castles and oh, okay, the ones that are like the tab and slot construction. Exactly, because gotcha. that's huge. That was like a barbecue whenever you get the box of that stuff. I it's mean, so good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but and those guys like there's folks because you get two types of folks with the wargaming where it's either like disassembled and maybe spray painted or something is chill. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then there's the maniacs that are like are in close to having a model train hobby. They're just in denial. Yeah, with the amount of detail they, they want, they just don't have the trains. Yeah, they just don't have the trains. Okay. Everything else, my friend, I have a friend who's this, like well, they, this. They might have the trains, so they just don't. They don't move on the track. <laughs> he actually, my one, I have a friend who's got a. He's a big World War II enthusiast. He has a six by four French town he can put on the table. Oh my god! And he made a train station set for it too that does the motors. It's playing his games are the best because like you blow up a tank, and he's like one second he'll go under and pull out a little like LED light flick. That has like a smoke cloud and everything, and just like take the turret off the top of the tank because it's magnetized. Oh, yeah, and then put that there. So you're like on this battlefield with like you know that it's been exploded. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. That's awesome. But, um, he used that's what he was doing was he'll print off certain things with FDM because he's gonna th- throw so much like modeling effects on them, like mm-hmm. paint, textures, all this stuff that it masks the problem that some people have with the FDM, which is that you get that print line across it, right? So yeah that's fair well it's 
you know, for a while, like, I know there was a lot of people that were like, oh, well, I'll use ABS or ASA and acetone vapor smoothen and all that stuff, which, yeah, you can do. But, like, then I start seeing some of the minis that you're printing in resin, and it's like, you would never yeah. be able to print those on an FDM printer. Yeah, if you yeah. spend a very long time with an FDM printer, you can, and, like, do the, res, the acetone vapor smoothing and all that, you can get a mini that looks okay on the table. <laughs> like, it looks fine for yeah. what it is. Right. The day I got my resin printer, I was putting out minis that looked as good as anything I had ever bought. Yeah. Like, it, which is just yeah, yeah. insane. I mean, you, you know, I spent two weeks trying to, tune, I don't know which one of those four that you let me borrow. One of the minis. One of the minis. I spent two weeks trying to tune it to print like basic minis and I, I gave up and I have five years of experience with this. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, even then, and, like, and, 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 and I'm not saying like resin printing some goddamn because I also um, <laughs> shortly after printing a great mini for it, spilled resin all over my workbench. I just had a guy yesterday post to the Facebook chat because he bought a printer last week mm-hmm. and had the re- resin overflow thing happen to yeah, him. Yeah, and you're it's the the work. It is sticky. It's <laughs> some level of toxic that you don't necessarily want want on your skin. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, well, it, it doesn't it, exactly clean up. It's the kind of toxicity that builds up, and then eventually you're allergic to it. Yeah. Yeah. It gets it's, under your skin. I, I'm understand, um, my understanding is if you're not careful, you could eventually get uh, sunlight allergies because you're absorbed. Like, I, some, you know, it's UV resin, I guess. Oh, but geez. it's like, so you'll get like, oh, yeah, now I get a rash in the sunlight because I got too, too much resin. Yeah. yeah well, and, and like, you know, you're if talking you have about a respirator, wear gloves, wear a respirator, wear safety glasses. Don't be like me and get 99% IPA splashed in your eyeball. <laughs> yeah, burn. Ba- ba- yeah ba- basically don what you would have when you went to go to the grocery store in March of 2020. <laughs> there you go. That, that, that's a good rule. Just the full hazmat. Pretend your printer has COVID. <laughs> yeah, well, it's... Um, uh, you know, a friend of mine said to me one time about resin. He's like, basically I treat resin as a nurse would treat blood. Yeah. Like, it is an infectious agent. I will not touch it. I'm, I'm constantly throwing everything in my garage. Uh, which, by the way, keep, keep respirator in your garage. Not, not indoor toys. Oh, man, I yell. So, there's a one guy, and, like, every time I see a post about something, I'm just like, put that in your garage or anywhere else. Get out of that room. Like, I mean, if you, had, if you had enough exhaust, maybe. It always, it always freaks me out when I see people that have resin printers in a room that's carpeted. And I'm just yeah. like, uh, that's such a bad idea. No. I'm, there, the one you tried watching, and he had a resin printer in his desk behind him in his office, and he was like doing something with it, and then he was like, and then you clear coat it, and he's just at his desk indoors and pulls out a can of bat varnish and just sprays it into it, and I'm like, dude, go outside. Like, like I will say I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because I do do some airbrushing inside. I mean, with my acrylics doesn't have like volatile accelerants. Yeah, you, you yeah you don't have VOCs in it. It's just yeah, yeah. But, you you probably still should not do it inside. But <laughs> I mean, fair. but it, it is at least better. You're just yeah, like, acrylic paint. The I do the respirator for long sessions. Once in a while, so I'm just like, like, yeah, which is bad. But it's I've gotten so where it's so easy to to do it, like speed wise. Yeah, but I know some folks it's like still a process for them to work with airbrushes. It's also very low volumes of air. It's not yes. like you're airbrushing a car. You're airbrushing a mini. Yeah, that's well, the other thing. Because like there, there was a time I airbrushed at a higher of silver armor with an airbrush indoors. And when I was done, I looked up and realized that the uh, room was hazy. <laughs> oh, no. That's, that's also a good lesson in that sense with the airbrushes is like, 
if I'm shooting above 10 PSI, there is a problem with the paint I'm mixing because I should be able to thin it down to where it'll go like, because uh, you were talking about low pressure. That's the right. thing I've been advising folks on now that I figured it out because I started doing game changer. As soon as I thinned that paint down enough to where I could just thin it through under 10 PSI. Because most guys, when you see them like first starting out, they're going like 20, 25 PSI with just like thin your paints. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. But then again, I've never airbrushed anything. So, yeah. You're not here for your artistic expertise. <laughs> I don't have any artistic expertise. <laughs> Neither do I, but I, I fake it and put dudes on the table. And a lot more dudes now. <laughs> just just a few? Yeah, just a few. I need, whenever you come out, you'll see like the insanity that is my <laughs> collections. It, well, I mean, also, like, this is, this is me because I'm a crazy person, but it helped me um, having digital files that I print because mm-hmm. I can buy digital files and not have to like physically store them anywhere in my house <laughs> for when I was primarily buying physical miniatures I'd be like oh I gotta get that box set that army set of something and it's like 50 dudes for like come at like a dollar a piece oh, and yeah. then I realized that oh. I, I had 50 dudes that, that you <laughs> may or may not paint one or all of them and right. then yeah they're being but stored the other, yeah they have to be stored so that's, that's fair yeah you can you can manifest them on demand yeah, that, that is <laughs> a benefit to my particular neurosis. See, now, now, you've just, now you've just got me imagining the distant future, you know, Star Trek era, we've got replicators, and you've still got people like you, and they're like, computer, I'd like, uh, you know, whatever, orc, something, something, and it just comes out, little gray dude, and then you go and get your paints. <laughs> like, you could get the computer to yeah. do it for you, but, you know, that's not any of the fun. Yeah, no, you still oh, have yeah. to fight. Yeah, that's what I want. Star Trek captain that's a war gamer. <laughs> I did love that in um uh Battle for Galactica. They always had that their big like war table. Right. Oh yeah. But it always had like really involved miniatures of like ships. And they'd run to a new Cylon ship and that episode they'd have like a perfectly painted model of it. Like, Is there a three D printer somewhere on Galactica? Yes. <laughs> or a replicator or something yeah. like that. It's like it's a prop guy back there. Back there <laughs> yeah. like quickly <laughs> random quick aside with that i was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day about 3d printers in sci-fi because mm-hmm. like i think it was oh it was some like netflix space movie i can't remember what it, what it was it was one of like you know crew that was like on, on a mission to mars one of them breaks her arm yeah. and they 3d print a cast for her which okay yes that's a thing that you can do like fine but the printer that they had was just like a bog standard maker bot just like mounted into the wall yeah and it's like this was supposed to be like a good 10 years in the future i'm like first of all you're in space it it would be in like at the very least like an industrial unit yeah and the one that i always want to see them make it's uh i think somebody's called melt.io and they specialize in um laser fusion based metal 3d printing where instead of printing with a bed of 3d powder they actually kind of airbrush metal powder through a nozzle and then hit it with fiber lasers as it's coming out. So it's like FDM, but not, but way cooler. Yeah. And the, the head of it looks like the head is this, this like massive thing. And it's got four to six fiber optic cables for the laser coming in because it can have like up to six different laser sources. And then the, you know, then in the center is where, where the, the, the metal comes out. 
but it's one of those things that looks like it would be like a weapon held by some space alien. Yeah. I'm like, that. That is the printer you need to put into your movies. Which I'm actually surprised um, that uh, BLT printers, like, at home, got here faster than, uh, like, laser SLS at home. Because I remember, like, for a while, Shapeways was what people talked about. That was all SLS. Right. So, like, those are, they're still around. And, presumably great quality, but you, they'll be like, oh yeah, we'll print that mini for you, but it'll be $50, and you're like, cool, if I print it on my no home printer, it's like 38 cents. Well, <laughs> SLS is inordinately more complicated. Yeah, I just, I, I, I'm aware. Well, first of all, it has lasers and printing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, SLS has I, been I, around for a long time. I, yeah, I kind of assumed it would, it was the one that would turn into a home technology. Versus, yeah, chemicals. I mean, they're still trying. Like, um, uh, Form Labs has, uh, I wouldn't call it consumer level, but they have a sub twenty thousand um, dollar nylon SLS printer. I've yeah. seen a couple of companies that have made some sub ten thousand um, dollar nylon SLS printers. I mean, metal is even more insane. But it, it it's also like you think that cleanup for resin is bad. You're saying that a metallic dust might be a problem to have in your in your home. Yeah, also nylon dust, which is like a oh, severe like irritant to your respiratory system if you breathe it in. It's just really not a good thing to have inside of you because it's nylon and it will not break down. Right, right. That kind of its primary property. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's really, really old houses. I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like it, you're dealing with this like super super fine powder which is honestly in many ways worse than resin resin just drips and falls powder just goes everywhere everywhere it, yeah. it's like printing out of the world's finest glitter it's, like oh oh yeah now your entire house is covered in, in nylon dust right you can't well, live there anymore well like like some <laughs> of the the, the higher end printers that they have they will literally like when a print is done It'll take the whole like chamber with all of the powder because the powder is being used for support, mm -hmm. and it automatically shuffles it off into basically a processing station, which is a completely enclosed system that you like stick your hand, your arms through those like gloves that are in the wall, and then you 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 know remove yeah. all the parts and blow everything off, and then usually they'll actually recycle the powder. So like even still like. Um, like when I was at Midwest Repri Festival a few weeks ago, there was a guy there that he's working on an like open source SLS printer, and he, right now he's working with sugar because to get the nylon that you need that actually works for it, it's like hundreds of dollars a kilogram. Wait, are you telling me there's a printer where I could print dudes and then eat them? Yes. New legacy gave me right there. <laughs> Every time I kill one of your dude, I just eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was he was printing with like granulated sugar. He needed to get like even finer granules to make it even better. He was basically just printing with like you know powder sugar. sugar. It doesn't work for some reason. And I can't okay. remember what it is. I'll I'll maybe get like, on it. Uh, like is that together so, or something? Something about like the consistency of it yeah. might be weird. Does that yeah. is that printer like those SLSs? Are they like? Detail level versus just a resin printer. What's the difference? Um, for one, the detail is going to be dependent upon the granule size. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it can be very good, but you still always have like a weird sort of texture to it. It always looks powdered. Because that's the... um. You, you know when uh, your primer kind of is weird? And yeah. When a fuzzy it, model? That's kind of what SLS models gotcha. are Gotcha. Like. Because that's the... Right. Um, from the Wargamer perspective, when you get the guys who like either are like, 3D printing is awesome or like, I don't know about it. 
it's always that is the big thing they're spooked about is those print lines. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. why resin basically just like for them is like it just removes the problem. It removes the problem. And yeah. also they print those resin printers are usually like I don't know, I, some guy was talking about it where he was like this thing cuz I was like you should get the FDM for trade and he's like I don't know, this thing's look pretty crazy cuz you look at one and it looks like an industrial machine. Whereas a some of those resin printers look like a water boiler. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean the, the the funny thing about it is like so resin printer you've got Literally an LCD screen and a motor. If you want to get crazy, you get into like the Prusa SL1 and some of the higher end ones, which actually have another motor to tilt the vat, oh. which is how it separates it. Um, whereas normally it just has a Z motor. With those, you have three or more motors, well, four, including the extruder. So, you know, for the three axes and the extruder. And then when you get into the SLS, that's when you get into crazy because there's two ways to do the actual beam movement. Which one, you just have a Cartesian XY, you know, moves around like you would like a laser cutter. But then you can also have a galvanometer system where it's two mirrors on like like magnetically actuated axes that can move around really, really fast. Like high-end ones will do 20 or 200,000 positions per second. Which a very high-end resin printer would use that. It's crazy. Right? Like there's, there's yes. laser, so, re- uh, what's it called? S- SLA. SLA. So yeah, what you're using is MSLA or mast SLA, which is I, I've heard it also called just DLP or your DLP. Yeah. Well, the, the DLP ones were actually when you're using a DLP projector. Oh, I see. Because for a while before they got good with doing um, getting LCD screens that they could take the backing off and use as a mask, mm-hmm. they would just use a DLP projector. Okay. Those were god awful slow though. Interesting. Because they weren't using just a pure UV source. They were just using a bulb, and like cure times would be like thirty and forty seconds per layer, like normally, like for a regular old layer, and yeah. then it would. You for know. context, mine is the cure time is two seconds per layer. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, and like the and that's because his printer is a monochrome um, LCD. Okay. So then it, it I mean, it's literally just basically black and white, but the original ones were literally just using off the shelf RGB. LCDs um, and those didn't let as much UV light through, so the cure times would be like ten seconds. Okay, that makes actually that's why the, that's why when you see a mono resin printer, that's why it's better. It let it lets more light energy through. It, and with, to go back, to what I was saying here the XY resolution on an FDM printer is there's a few factors. There's nozzle size and stepper resolution. Right. Where in a resin printer, your XY resolution is. It's uh, pixel size. It's pixel size. And right. when you can get a 4K screen that's this big, your pixels are so... If that's well, small, like on yours, like, it, typically it's a, a 5 micron yeah. pixel size. It's, it's really freaking small. Um, and, the, yeah, and then with the SLS, you not only have to have the what of the XY system for the laser, but then you have to, to have whatever controls the bat, which, which slowly lowers, whatever feeds more powder <laughs> into it, whatever flattens that powder over it, all of the other, it's just, there's a lot more going on. Yeah, I'm just it. wondering why, like, not like a negative to the folks that are using those, but like, why can it makes sense why they're like, not on for consumers? Like, why is anyone still working with those things? What's the gain there? there there's a handful of, of reasons for it. One of them is, um, for one, you don't need support. Oh, okay. Because you're printing inside of, of like a container full of powder. So it's self supporting. Two, um, if you wanted to print a 10 by 10 grid of minis mm-hmm. on an FDM or a resin printer, you can print 
one 10 by 10 grid of minis. And you, so you say they're 20 millimeters tall, well, you only get 20 millimeters. Right. Well, if you have an SLS printer that's 200 millimeters you tall, you can do that times 10. Just keep stacking just them. Just keep stacking them because everything's self-supported. I mean, there are limitations to that. Right. Not. That makes perfect sense. Presumably, there's also material for like engineering, like SLS printers, like you can print in nylon or steel. Right. I mean, and there's so problems like, with printing in metals because when you do SLS, you, you, the laser centers it initially, but then you have to post-process and actually heat it up again to right. get it to like fully center. Uh, and that will usually cause it to shrink. Not really as much of a problem with nylon. Um, it can a bit. But then also, the other thing is like one of the reasons why Shapeways even exists and can be as cheap as it is, is because they don't, when you send in a print, they don't go, okay, cool, let's print this. They wait until they have a f- full machine yeah. that like is completely full. And the, you they might print someone else's part inside of your part effectively yeah. the, you know the, they're always at the i go to the historical miniature gaming society's conventions which is they do three of them and shapeways is always there because with the historical guys when i talk about like not the grail but something that you don't find that many of until someone starts doing it is pirate ships <laughs> and 3d printers can crank out a pirate ship like it's no one's business right so until recently, some guys in Florida started like, which is the new thing that I've been interested in, where you 3D print the master, mm-hmm. and then you do cast yeah. right. of that master. Because uh, there's a couple guys where they just every time they have a new figure, they go and engineer the 3D prints of it, print it, go make their molds, and then just can build a huge stock. I know, um, I think it's Gunfire's Ball. That's what he does for all of his cowboy miniatures. So he just does 3D prints for them, and then. Cranks it out. There's suspicion that's what um, Forge World is doing right now. There's, there's some stuff coming out of there that has yeah, some artifacts that look a be. lot like layer lines. Oh, really? Forge World is Games Workshop uh, specialist resin prints. Oh, okay. Yeah, they uh, do like they, fancy boy stuff. Like spin cast resin. Like, gotcha. It, it, it's saying quality resin. Like the stuff is right. like gold. Like so that's crisp. Nice. <laughs> no, nothing that, but no, it looks like a little bit like there's layer lines on it. Yeah, like, like people are taking like macro shots of it and you're like, those look kind of like. I mean, they could they're, even be doing resin prints and then using those as the masters. Yeah, they, like, they're I they're would. at that scale, and it, people argue that it's um like mold cooling issues, but it, it's you know it's hard. Well, it's, that, there are conspiracy theories about everything. The but, thing though, because like I've talked to people who like you know worked in the like action figures industry, yeah, and like whereas twenty thirty years ago it's like someone might draw up a. a design and then someone else or maybe the same person would actually physically sculpt it yeah and then someone would have to end up making the molds for that like now they just do it digitally and then send it to the print team and like after lunch they've got an action figure yeah i remember fresh uh, out of the road a guy they worked on the skylanders figures Mm -hmm. they talked about that they had like i he described it this was years ago that he didn't i think they basically had like an mmu Mm -hmm. printer for all the display color Oh, wow. Um, like, uh, prototypes. And he'd be mm. like, yeah, design it and like color it digitally and then hit a button, then go go home to the night and in the morning. Oh, wow. That's the thing. Well, and that's actually um, another print type that's sort of similar to SLS that would be good for stuff like that is there's like Fusion Jet or I can't remember Jet Fusion or one of those. Anyways, it's basically if you took the same process for SLS, remove the laser, and instead of the laser, you ran over it with effectively an inkjet printer okay. that printed colored resin that cures. So they, they print it, and then either like it'll be UV cured or it'll just 
I've seen like the rainbow own. shapes that sometimes like right. So with that, you can print full color, but usually huh. those are effectively ca- they're effectively printed in gypsum. Okay. So they're like super um, fragile. Like okay. they'll just break. Um, I think that'd be really fun though. Like the fraction figures. Right. And there was a, for a while, I think it was HP themselves that actually came out with a printer that would it was ridiculous. It would literally lay down a piece of paper, it would print onto it, um, and then like, I don't know, laser or like drag knife cut out that layer, and then it would do another layer. So you'd get models that were basically almost like they were made of wood, because they were just layers and layers of just printer paper. <laughs> But since they had color printed around the edges, they would be full color models. What? How'd they stick together? Uh, I think when the, the inkjet went down, effectively it was printing with like resin or some sort of glue that would allow oh, them to they're, they're, it to yeah, That's really um, cool. I don't think it really went anywhere. I remember seeing this like 10 years ago. So like, yeah. it's not gone far. There was a lot of waste with it. Well, yeah, because like, that couldn't reuse right. the outside. Right. Uh, that, that is another reason like, Warmaster and the small scale ones. Like when I print a thirty millimeter guy, like probably a third of what's coming off the printer is support that I throw away. <laughs> right. With the Warmaster guys, it's like half of them print with no support, and the ones that the other supports is like take one support off and he's done. So it's like Interesting. Almost no waste. So uh, that makes me curious. With like you've got like all these people now that are are selling sculpts online. Like how many of them would you say are either you know, minimal support or like they've designed them so they can basically print without support. They, the, at least the one guy I bought a lot from mini rat, he does the whole, so the war is weird. Cause they come in, it's like a strip and it's got five little dudes on it. Oh, okay. So, and then that'll have like a supports for like weapons and stuff, but he'll do it without the supports. And then he'll also for every single one of his dudes, he'll do them singularly by themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you buy that, like the halberdiers set, you buy them and all those files come in it. So you can do, whatever the heck you want because if you pay for some of them can give like retailers license or even like modification license because um right there's a guy like i think it's an ian lovecraft he did a couple stl runs and this other company excellent miniatures took his stuff and resized it for Warmaster mm. and modified some of like the singles to put them on strips and stuff but his license like they didn't do anything wrong because his license was just like if you're selling these you can modify them as long as you're selling them Right. Okay. So, so for yeah, for Warmaster, most of the sculptors are doing, um, like that level of like minimal support. Trying to okay, try to minimize it at least. Yeah. Or uh, like uh, thirty mil stuff. Uh, most of the sculptors will offer a pre-supported version. Right. But it um, it's still the same a lot. Like it's a lot of support. It's still like, requires supports. Yeah. Yeah. Like and and like that like a a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like I always find that funny with mechanical stuff because, like, you know, the times that I've done, you know, open source designs or kits or something like that, and I've had people contact me and be like, "All right, so what, like, what's the print settings and where do I need to have supports on this?" It's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't need any. <laughs> just print, yeah, just print. And they're like, <laughs> "But how?" And like, whereas, like, for me, that's almost something that's come out of just laziness. I don't want to remove supports, so I just design so I don't need them in the first place. But yeah. in Spite of having to wear rubber gloves and dip in alcohol, it is easier to remove supports off a resin print That's than, it, fair. than it is an FDM print. FDM prints are annoying to get supports off, and they have so much artifacting right. underneath Yeah, it can, it can screw up the, the aesthetic of the print, which is funny, because as much as I say I don't care about the aesthetics of stuff, I, 
I do want them to like well, it look could be decent. Aesthetic, it could mess up the fit if you have a, like a right. press fit part, and all of a sudden you have all kinds of overhang under something that's supposed to find something else. Now we're, I'm like in there with a box cutter trying to make this fit. I was like, I, I saw a design one time that it, I think it was for a plotter, and the it, it they had like a recess to put an LMU8 bearing. So like the the mm-hmm. bearings that they use for on all like the Prusa Mark threes, the little right. you know eight millimeter rod bearings. And the way that you were supposed to print it was with supports holding up the inside of that recess. And like I was like looking through the comments on it, and someone was like, well, now my bearing doesn't fit because, you know, the, yeah. the supports screwed it up. And they're like, oh, we'll just sand it. And it's like, well, no, what? Well, don't the, uh, design it that way. Yeah. Not like the inverse argument of that, but what's weird is you, I think you end up with this like Venn diagram because there is a subsector like GW. Because like I find that like a lot of the war gamers have like a pain tolerance for the supports mm-hmm. because we're buying model kits where we have to clip them off the sprues, right, symbol them, yeah, and like see because like that's my thing. It's just like I literally do that for fun sometimes with like airplane kits I build <laughs> or yeah. Although I, I, I'm I'm new to GW and I will say that even cutting things off sprues, those are the easiest assembled models I've ever dealt with. They are like, very well engineered. Coming out of like other companies that they're like, yeah, we um cut this pewter model so it would we could cut it in molds. And there's no registration holes or anything for the arm. Good luck. So, good luck. <laughs> Figure it's it out. like, here, glue these two flat pieces of pewter together, and like then... Of pewter? Pewter, yeah. What do you glue pewter with? A center acolyte. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah it sticks together. Uh, huh. so, well, in, in that case, you also uh, get um, a fun tool called a pin vise, which is a, a tiny hand drill. I have for one. Jewelry. Yeah. yeah. And, and you drill... Either oh. side and do a brass rod. Oh, okay. It be, you're lazy and you have just, to clip. And hope that you line them up correctly. And, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. I just bought a Proxon for this exact madness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I was looking at their website the other day because, like, I think Adam Savage is always, like, talking They're really nice tools. about the tools, and I'm, I kind of want one. it? The company that makes these, like, really tiny, high-precision power tools okay so like they make like a dremel equivalent is that that's what you're talking yeah about? i've got the dremel equivalent and then i because i have a i have a dremel the 3000 but it's too powerful for most of the stuff i'm doing right and that's one so of the like, one of the big things with it like yeah. it's almost like too like the lowest speed is too much just because it'll melt the plastic half right. the time. so like yeah they, they just kind of specialize in like high precision tools like i think they even have like the world's cutest chop saw it's it like I think the blade's like three <laughs> yeah, inches. Little, <laughs> I want that. But like like and you can even get it with like abrasive blades. So you're like, oh, I need to cut a bunch of like brass rods. You can just yeah. cut it with that instead of like getting the big honking. Because I but yeah, good. Oh, I dipped my toe. The reason I was looking at those tools in the first place is I dipped my toe into like model shipbuilding. Right. And those guys do like the scratch builds and everything. Yeah. Because I was uh looking at there's a I think it's MicroMarts the store, mm-hmm. and that's a dangerous place to go if you like the tools. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, like I'm familiar. All the tiny tools. Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely looked at that for like getting like a small, like, um, small bench top drill press and stuff like that. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah we, so, yeah, you're right. But we're getting used to that. We used to like, oh, these models, the, there's shrinkage in this mold. So, these, there's a gap in this model now. And so, fill in with putty. And right. Like that, and you're like, wait, I paid $200 for a model and I had to fill it with putty. And like, that seems like it would be like shocking, but then you just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. The, my favorite tech is with the Tamea thin cement. Cause I don't know what it's exactly made of, but it's just like you can paint it and it will break down the plastic so that the plastic becomes like liquid again. And you press it to the other part and it solves. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Solve it welder. Yeah. Yeah. 
and guys figured out like they clipped out a whole model kit and they had that sprue left over. I think the model tank and model airplane guys figured this out first. Mm -hmm. One of them just like clipped that into a bunch of pieces, opened up one of their things and just dropped it in right. there. And I was like, this is the space. So if you need to fill holes, whatever, it just fills and it perfectly forms. That was actually um, the, in the 3D printing realm when ABS was king, like before PLA okay. and stuff came out. One of the things you would do um, to get your prints, because this is before we had like the modern print surfaces that we have now. Right. So to get your prints to stick to the mirror that you were using as a bed was you would dissolve ABS and acetone and then just get this slurry and then you just paint that on the surface. Yeah. Oh, you could also use like glue stick and stuff like that. But like I, that was one of the things that people would use. I saw that because I was looking into it like years ago when I was fiddling around with um, Arduino and stuff because it was like the people who could, were 3D printing Game Boy oh, cases. Right. And I was like, how do they make them soft? Because I was like worried about the print lines and stuff. Oh, and yeah. you just see like the lab, like the chemical bath part happen. I'm like, mm -hmm. Ah, I see. Yeah, that, that would be like the, the acetone vapor smoothing. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that, that cool also sounds like an outdoor activity to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I. There, there's a lot of like, uh, I mean, because for a few years, people doing FDM miniatures and they talk about like acetone vapor smoothing. Like, you just get like a, a cut rate heating element that you found in the garbage and you stick some that in some acetone and then put that whole thing in a Tupperware. Oh, yeah, and you've you made a firebomb that... <laughs> right, so yeah. So you, you stick your mini in there. And... <laughs> I mean, well, actually, it's funny. The, the table that you guys are sitting at now, it's all made out of this, like, black iron pipe. But it was covered with, like, this tar pitch crap Yeah. to protect it. Well, I didn't realize that when I got it. I thought it was just, like, black paint at first because I just, like, I ordered it. And I was like, well, I got to get this off. And I looked into it. And acetone was the best thing to do with that. So I spent, like, a weekend... In my garage, in front of my exhaust vent for yeah, my laser. Yeah. Again, like, acetone is an outdoor toy. <laughs> right. I was inside, but it was I, I had a full respirator on. I was right in front of an 8-inch uh, diameter 1200 CFM exhaust fan. Like, I, I think yeah. I was generally fine. But I was running with that, and I just had... I was literally, like, wrapping, like, sh not shop rags, but, like, basically, like, the disposable, like, really thick paper towels <laughs> around the pipe, and then drenching them in acetone, and then letting them sit there for a few minutes. Incredible. And so I had, I had, like, a box full of these, and I took them out to my, my fire pit out back, and I was like, well, I know this is going to be bad, so I just, like, threw a match at it, and just made a giant fireball. Yeah. And, like, these have been sitting there for hours, like, it's just... The, the amount of fumes that were coming out yeah, were yeah. insane. The idea of... This like, is why I don't acetone vapor smoothies. Intentionally having, like, a cubic foot of acetone vapor anywhere near right. a flammable object is scary uh, to me. Yeah, there's... The, the results are great. Right. <laughs> there, are some, there are some specialty filaments. Um, a company called Polymaker makes some that it's... Uh, you can vapor smooth it with isopropyl alcohol. Okay. Which... Yes, it's less, less flammable. still flammable, but yeah, it, like the the flash point's much higher, I think, and it doesn't it doesn't vaporize nearly as easily. Um, and they even like make a little machine where it like injects a fog of you but know. On the plus side, if it is on a fire, it's invisible. Uh, there is that. <laughs> so let's see. Um, get collecting like old miniatures that are lead and stuff. Which nice best thing about those miniatures is like you'll never they're in quotes, forever, because of what they're made of. Mm -hmm. Really hard to melt and stuff, whereas plastics can get ruined sometimes. So, on eBay, you'll go and, like, because what I do usually is, like, I don't mind a little bit of a hustle if I can save myself $100, because legitimately now, with the um, renaissance of old games, some of these miniatures are, like, 
I think there was a dragon kit that probably six feet tall, two hundred dollars for this old, and it was made in the eighties. Wow! But just like it's like one of those collector things, like oh, I got to get this old dragon from when I was like twelve and couldn't buy it. And I'll go and find the ones that are like mutilated or like someone's getting rid of it because like their kid, their son had it and he's moved out now. And she's like, I don't know what this is. I'll just put it on the eBay. But it's like covered in paint and stuff. Cause like I got a model that was covered in gorilla glue, like dried. Oh God. So all the joints are like these little, Oh yeah. I was like, who put I, this together? I got, I got an eBay model that whoever had to be for me thought gorilla glue was a good gap oh, filler. I don't know why. I was like, no, that's not a gap filler. <laughs> you should use gap filler. <laughs> They, yeah, make stuff for this. But you drop it in like the one that I always think of is LA Awesome is like the cure all for this stuff. You like get crap off your metal miniatures. But I sit there like have the jar in my garage looking at it. And I'm just like, what is in LA Awesome? Because it is very effective at breaking things down. <laughs> all the good chemicals. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny though because like it, there is all the like modern like oh yeah you can print a Warmaster army for like two cents or whatever. But then they're still like but but I want that old. TW bottle from the 80s that nostalgia's, I will pay $200 for. Yeah. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, even if someone came out with the same exact model that you can print, you still want the old one. Yeah. And my, like, big case for this, the wargaming scene is I don't think any one of these, like, systems of making the pieces that you can play with on a board are going to phase the others out. No. Ever. Absolutely not. I mean, I mean, for one thing, TW Classic is still... Yeah, it's phenomenally better than anything I could print. Like the yeah. stuff, it's, right. it's, a, it's a proprietary blend. It is just I, an well, amazing plastic. Industrial processes are going to be better than a few hundred dollar resin yeah. printer that you have at home. And my conspiracy theory is Bandai engineering. That, that, <laughs> I've heard this. There's their model kits got so much better in the past like four years, mm-hmm. and three years ago they did a deal with um, what do they call like the Gotcha. Ball machines, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. They did a gotcha, deal. Gachapon, I think. Gachapon, yeah. Where they made Gachapons for Space Marines in 40K, where you would, and did a whole line of them, and they had Bandai engineer them for them. I don't think they ever stopped getting commissioning Bandai to engineer stuff for them. It's like, oh, wow, these are good. Yeah, yeah these, these are, are incredible. Gunpla? Yeah, Gunpla's insane. Gunpla is like, these are insane models. Okay. Yeah. Just the, the engine, like, if you want to geek out about how well something's, like, designed. Yeah. Like, like ball of joints and, like, oh, a skeleton that you then put, yeah. like, stuff over it. Just how well it assembles together blows my mind. Right. And that's what GW's got going for it. And then on the other inverse is, I'm curious to see more STL 3D designers get there. Because there's guys that make stuff that look good. Yeah. But the one weird advantage, and this is like grandpa mode for me, old, some of the old metal miniatures that you see, there's like a couple sculptors out there that still make good living doing it. Those models are hard to like replicate to make like any 3D machine. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, this sounds very softy, but like a person made this like with their oh. hands versus like the printer machine printed off just the look and shape of it. Like mm. there's a, the number one, one that comes in my head constantly is a guy named Kev Adams. And I think his other name is like Goblin Kev. Cause he's the guy who made the original goblins for games workshop in the eighties. Oh, wow. He's still making goblins today, but it's like the crazy faces and like wrinkled noses and stuff that some of these guys can crank out. There's a historical guy named Paul Hicks. who does a lot of medievals and world war twos today. And his stuff is insane compared to like, I for someone on the Twitter sphere joked around because they had an STL for World War II stuff that did not succeed on Kickstarter. 
and the reason it didn't is because at the same time Hicks was had a Kickstarter going to get some more sculpts of his stuff, and everyone backed that because they spent all their money on it, that one it, instead it, of the World yeah, because like oh the personality there is it's hard to replicate like work with a physical object. I mean, I had to tell him when I pre-design anything, and then I go to print it, and it's entirely a different size than I thought it was going to be. Oh, I'm yeah. just bad at visualizing. So, like, oh, I do, I do that all the time. I've definitely had times where I, like, I'm designing something, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's the size of the dinner plate in my mind, and then I go to print it, and it's, it's the size of a pea, yeah. you know, or and something like I that. I imagine like, you've been for doing, a, yeah. a sculptor, I, I don't know, I'm speculating, that like, digital sculpting probably might have some of the same issues versus like Working with putty in front of you, like you, one of the portions exactly. Yeah, see, that's, why, that's why Lychee Slicer always has that mode where it shows a banana in view and like a soda can. <laughs> like, it just yeah. here's the scale of it. I feel like you should just have that in your sculptor yeah. software. Yeah, just have a banana constantly right next to you while you're sculpting. Well, but also, like, you're talking about like stuff fitting together, like any sort of mechanical fitment. I mean, this is the reason I don't have that resin printer anymore. Yeah. It was a bitch to get anything that was dimensionally stable. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it's one part, who cares? Like, you know, it doesn't matter. But, like, I was trying to print a component for the printer, for an enclosure for it, and it would be, you know, a millimeter and a half off, which to me is complete and utter garbage. Well, it wasn't yeah. just a millimeter and a half off. It was a millimeter and a half bigger in one axis and a millimeter and a half Smaller in a different axis, and you're like, "What happened to you? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right? Why are you like this? Right? It was just the, it's, not, the... it's not just like resin shrinkage or overexposure; it's both simultaneously. And, be and yeah. because you're not printing square to the build plate, yeah, they operate like they they yeah. function weird. That's what's right. it's so difficult to see because I I know it's doable, so I'm just curious of when it'll like who's going to be the first guy like spark it off. Because I don't think the print stage is like where the for the miniatures where they lose that like person charm. Yeah, it's in the three D modeling software. Yeah, right. like immediately if you like, because all these guys, the thing I noticed about when I look at the figures, all of them have that um I forgot what it's called where it like parallels the shape like because you, st you start with a sphere every time. Yeah, right. And they just poke the eyes in so it's the exact the computer means that these eyes are literally the same. Yeah. Whereas the guy who uses like Milliput and a sculpting tools like Dink I. Dink eye, and if you zoom in, those eyes are not the same, but yeah. that pulls in that realism. I mean, you can do that in software, though. Yeah, that's the I mean, way you have to do it. That's yeah, the uh, only that's, guy that's, that's you can't fair. just be like, I mirror. And the only guy right. I've known who's done it is um, not for miniatures, but he's got animations he does, worthy kids, who his COVID thing was, he's like, I love Rack and Bass. I am going to figure out how to make 3D Rack and Bass. <laughs> effects so he watched all those films and then went inside blender and did the freaking texturing oh, wow. figured out like he sat there and like would like because he was talking about on a thing he did where he like noticed that for emoting people in those movies they would have the little puppet they take its head off because they had a head that was like two centimeters bigger for when they were angry mm -hmm. that they stick the head on there oh yeah so when he did his like because he would just figure out the tricks to where in 3D space, he was re-engineering practical effects right. to then do his animations with. Which is so that when stuff. you hit the play button in his YouTube videos, you feel like you're watching a rack and bass. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, well, that's like, I, that always amazed me, like, yeah, with the stop motion stuff. Which, now, it's, it's funny because, like, like um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, those were all, like, basically hand-sculpted. And they would have just separate heads for, like, yeah, just, every, every facial, you know, feature yeah. or whatever. But, like, nowadays, like, I've seen... Uh, movies where you know they're making them stop motion, but all the parts are three D printed. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, three D printed and painted probably. There's more but... of that. There's also like 
stop stop motion in air quotes like the Lego movie, which yeah. was all CGI. Ding, ding. They just did imitation <sighs> stop motion. Yeah, that that was weird. I remember watching some stuff about that where it's like they literally did model it. Yeah, it's just I was, I was talking to someone else about um the new uh, Thunderbirds. Right. And it has like some sequences and he was like, I don't know if those sequences are stop motion or CGI. Did you see the uh, Nebula mm. 75 stuff? No. Some guys in England did, um, because I think it's Thunder, like the Thunderbirds, because uh, Thunderbirds is with the puppets. Yes. Right. It's because they, those guys have a bunch of other shows in the UK that materialized. A couple guys that were really into Thunderbirds this past year were like, well, I'm stuck in my house. And they just turned one of the rooms into the studio setup you would need to shoot Thunderbirds <laughs> and made their own show called Nebulous 75, which oh was God. Thunderbirds pup. Like they got the puppets and everything. And I think the plot of the show was that like this one guy stuck on a space station with some robots or something. So I, I, I think we can get that level of digital artistry. It's just people have to, you got to get to find the person that's going to like go and be that. You have to put the time into it. Yeah. 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 You basically have to do the manual work, but just in a digital space. Exactly. Yeah. Which is still complicated. Like it's one of those things where it makes me wonder like, you know, you're working on a two-dimensional screen, and yes, you can move stuff around, but like it's not the same way as just being like, you know, let me kind of look at this. So you want like a, a like a T1000 like display for sculptors where they can like work digitally, and then it like. Well, uh, <laughs> no, but like I could see <laughs> with like I want that. Yeah, I know, but like I can see as we're getting into stuff like Microsoft's augmented reality stuff, mm-hmm. or like the whole the Leap Magic Eye or whatever the hell it was called. Um, yeah, which is another just augmented reality thing. Having it where, like, having digital sculpting software, you could be like, okay, I'm sculpting this thing at a table. And, like, it's as if you were doing it IRL because you can, like, just move around and look at it. You're not constrained to, let me, okay, let's shift left click to do an orbit, you yeah, know, or whatever it is it's in your like software. Where you thought Tony Stark doing Marvel movies where he was engineering and he would, like, right, reach just out. grab and... it and move things. Yeah. Like, I think that you would need to have that same level to really get back to bringing the artistry back. I mean, not that there aren't people that can do things in the current software. Right. It's, and it looks amazing and looks hand done, but. Because the thing that I always like, how to think about it even more is with, um, generally when you see like new fresher designs, not to like put AAA gaming on blast, but right. it's not them. They're doing the Unreal shooter clone bodies and shapes. Yeah. Those indie games though can do it, but like your 3D elements in indie games are still like, a very semi chibi predictable model range versus 2D designs are insanity now. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's just the long amount of time that folks have had exposure to working with that tool at a larger scale. Like, has 2D animation digitally been around way more to where I think, I think yeah, there's I think. this like crest that gets hit where like 3D modelers will get to this crest where it's like suddenly. Well, and the, I mean, the funny thing that you get into that though, too, is a lot of 2D animated shows you'll see now are 3d yeah, it's just like yeah. just it's just a matter of the the, the process I mean, with which they render it makes it look I, 2d there's video games like that you can look at new or last last guilty gear and the current one right. are 3d with just insane filters on them and you're like if you're not paying attention you're like oh yeah that's the 2d game but it's- breaks my brain yeah. yeah well i'm pretty sure the new castlevania is okay like that and by extension the new demon which is not out yet but freaking uh guilty gear the new guilty gear game yeah that's what it, yeah it's <laughs> just insane yeah i mean so like you can do that I mean, it, so they're moving towards that and i think a lot of that it's just a matter of like being able to have augmented reality but or whatever it's that, just the that tools that you have. still look i mean if you look at 
even just look at go look at a classic Disney movie. Mm-hmm. The animation is better looking than what you get out of like Castlevania or He Man. Yeah, like I know it's kind of hot, hot but take, right? There, 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 I, I mean, animation. okay, <laughs> there is more. There's more depth to it. Yeah, like like his like the Castlevania or He Man or any of the the yeah. sort of modern ones. The the I mean, these are all Netflix things, but the new She-Ra, like the. They're kind of more to me like how Simpsons is done. Where like, yeah, someone if someone you know like you get Homer Simpson, he has the yellow skin tone. Yeah, it's the same color throughout. There's no shading. Yeah, you know. Well, and there's, there's no, no what Caleb talking about of like with stop motion, like you know, and and traditional Disney animation. Like when someone was angry, they did uh, you know what, what do they call it stretch and anticipation, where like they would get like the the emotion was bigger. For right. a second, or like you right. know, they they wanted to run, and their feet would extend yeah. out and stuff like that. that but, but also, like three D models aren't doing that. Yeah, yeah. T- time consuming as well because like oh, yeah. the um one of my favorite like where I get on that when I make that hill is like those old animations that are just still like the craziest things ever. Is that opening? I don't think it's the opening Pinocchio shot when it's like zoomed into the village and it comes out of the village in Pinocchio and like more of it shows up and everything. Because some like I, I think it was a person at Disney was just like I'm just gonna give a PSA to everyone. It is 2020. This is still extremely hard to do, and they did this in the forties. <laughs> yeah, right. And and it's a weird thing because, like, if I want to pay five dollars for a goblin on my mini factory, how much effort is that guy putting into it? Exactly. Like, well, and that's the only the only reason why they can sell it to you for five dollars is they're not just selling it to you for five dollars. Well, yeah, yeah, I get that, but like, he he wants to put out you know twenty of these this month, right? And it's like. My, my, yeah. like to yell at the consumers that one just like don't want as many miniatures all at once yes give them some time it's true and it, <laughs> we, we gotta get into that like because like you know disney put out a movie every i, I don't know what their old taste was but it was yeah it, usually every year or two every year, year something like that you get to meet a war gamer who doesn't have like six projects on the shelf that they need to do <laughs> yeah i mean that's just the Same. way that that goes yeah with any, with with any hobby really you've, right you've got you know, a million. I mean, you can see I, yeah. my office right now is filled with I'd, in progress and yeah, we, in progress projects. Yeah, if we want good colors, we got to get in because like GW does new releases for a line a year, not and a like, month. <laughs> and also, I bet like I think I don't think there's been a thing we've seen recently that hasn't been in the chamber for like a year or two. Yeah, you know, so, so like versus like a Patreon, we're like, all right, I need my my. 13 new models this month. Like, yeah. where are they, dude? <laughs> you know, that makes me think, though, like, I was saying to some of our friends recently that, like, some of the YouTube channels that I like the best are the ones where they don't care crap when it comes about to- the timing. Because, like, so many of them, like, due to the algorithm or whatever, you have to come out with a new video, like, at least once a week. Yeah. If not more. And then there's some where it's, like, it'll be five weeks, eight weeks between videos, but it's, Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it anything uh, like artistry takes time, right? <laughs> right. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it, I wonder if it'll get to the point where you've got some sculptors that are like that, where they're like, "Look, it's coming." Yeah. Just, I guess chill. Forest Dragons kind of got there. Yeah, yeah. When he was just there, there's one for Warmaster. Mm-hmm. He's just like, guys, I can't do this ten dollar Patreon thing, and you guys want like half an army every month, and he right. eventually just cancel the patreon oh okay and then and we're just gonna go to like i'm gonna release new models when they're done he's spent i think going to like five dollars a month and you're getting less from me like just period just just deal with it yeah like pay, pay me less i'll give you less 
it would be better quality. Because like yeah. to put those guys like to promote like four strike and everything is like you can like because I'm also like charge more if you want to because I'll be legitimate like your competitor is GW and being one of the GW maniacs. What we'll spend on a miniature versus getting the 3D file from you forever. Like right. you can give, we'll give you more than like I will give you more than five dollars. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, especially like for guys like you who now have. Well, you you don't have a resin printer yet, do you? But, no. Okay. He's, you have he's access made, to he's one. He's made heavy use. Of <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> but like, yeah, for nerds like you guys that have or have access to resin printers, like spending a little bit more on an STL that you can print forever, <laughs> as many as you want. Well, you know, uh, yeah, and a lot of games are like, all right, I'm I'm playing, you know. Uh, I don't know, Gaben, and I need so I need like eighty plan rats. <laughs> so many dudes, so right. many dudes. You're, you're willing, you're willing to pay a lot because you're going to duplicate them across, right? Because yeah. if you bought eighty clan rats from who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, but yeah, if you just bought them off the shelf, it's going to be you know probably what a couple hundred dollars at least, yeah. if yeah. not more. Yeah. So where as opposed to maybe a bottle of resin. Yeah. Exactly. It's such an easier like. So like, I don't, I don't need to pay ten dollars for for those plan rats. I could pay thirty, and like, that's still a deal, <laughs> right? If they, right. if they look good, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Although, what? Because you know me, I'm I'm a, I'm a like licensing nerd, right? So like, with the things that you buy, are any of them, or have you even bothered to read? Like, are they licensed such that you can print these for your own personal use? You can't print them for others, or yeah. you can't print and sell them, which I think would be more. Yeah, generally, it's um, people use different languages. I think the spirit is you can't print and sell. Okay. Yeah, which I mean, I and, and some of them have like merchant level licenses. At that point. Yeah, there's a the big one I can think of is Wargaming 3D, who does he sells like a whole table worth of terrain, generally for historicals, and his thing is like. If it's for yourself, there's like an individual buy. Then he has like a pretty hefty like license fee of like I think like four hundred dollars mm-hmm. per set. But it's like if you buy this, then you can print, cast, do whatever the heck you want with these designs. Right. And because he did that, then someone else out there has for some of them has been like did the thing where they printed them, made masters, and then are selling resin cast. Which is the reason they're doing that. I think as well as because of weight or something for yeah. shipping makes it easier. Interesting. And, well, and, and in almost all cases, it, any license you have is for a physical version of it. Like, do not remix and sell digital mm-hmm. objects again. Well, well yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I kind of expected that. Although, what, what is it? Um, Common, uh, what's the one that you say, like, where you can't make derivatives? No derivatives, I think. Yeah. yeah. CCND. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, every, at least everyone I've read to print on that's the big one like do not riff my stuff which which for that makes sense and that's why like i don't care that it's an stl or whatever yeah you know it's not necessarily modifiable uh or at least not easily um oh yeah since you're talking about you know like people remaking them or whatever i remember seeing stuff about um in sort of the world of like resin cast kits and stuff where they would have big problems of recasts yeah it's like someone bought the kit and then Made or or get, get, or repulls for like the the stormtrooper armor mm-hmm. where someone would buy a set, make their own molds, and then it you is know, back game Game Workshop has that um, curse curse yeah of just there, there's like if you if you go to to the dark side of the internet you can get like recast 
of right. actual box. And Caleb was saying, like, the problem is, like, when you buy a box of it, it comes on the slow boat from wherever. Oh, of course. And, like, the, the quality, they're clearly like a different resin mix. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, like, they're not, you don't, if they're, like, knowledgeable of the material they're using, it's at a, like, get it out the door level. And that's mm-hmm. not like it. It's all just like they're not. How many can we crank out? How fast? How sloppy? Right. And because the joke I someone was getting on to me because I bought some like the Forge World stuff is not cheap. It's very insanely expensive for what you're getting half the time. Yeah. But yeah. also like that fine spin cast resin. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. You're just like. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very. I think what kills some guys. What didn't help GW out is probably like ten years ago, their Forge World stuff, mm-hmm. and I have some of it was crazy bad okay like the resin they were using was this weird is a darker i know it was darker gray warped a lot more hmm. and their masters were all out of whack okay so the master molds for these were like rough you had lines so hmm. it took a lot of you had to be into the idea of doing the tedium model making stuff of like sanding I feel, holes. I feel like that's getting into when you're like like you've done ftm printed helmets and and swords and stuff like that yes where it's like the the print is a a base to start from yeah yeah, it, yeah it's no, not it's not a finished thing that you're just gonna slap a coat of paint on and be be done with so that burn a lot of guys are like i'm just gonna pay the recasters to not have to work because i'm gonna get just as bad as a mold but that's 100 not the case anymore gw stuff now is like super crisp mm. and cost wise to get the number you would need from gw from one of these stores out there the trick, and I just like literally in this text chat, I was and I was like, that doesn't seem. I was like, well, I'll get mine in three days, and we'll spend the same amount of money. Was you buy multiples so that you can just parse through the misfires you're gonna get? And I was just like, just buy it from these. <laughs> well, and to me, like recasting, <laughs> wow, is like a lot more black and white of like, no, this is clearly just stealing money from GW. Yeah. Like, like, I sculpted a guy that looks like a space marine, and I'm paying a sculptor is a lot more of like... It's it's the difference of making a dupe of a a cassette tape of an album versus covering it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly that. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Right, because, like, the thing about the the bust guys specifically, they they were just like, GW, make busts. Like, we'll buy them. Like, you don't make them. Because that's the thing I always joke yeah. about with that company. Yeah, GW is kind of a, a ponderous company. Like they, they kind of act like they were they're living ten years in the past with their policies a lot. Hmm. Well, yeah, they yeah. still have guys who were a part of that original team. Yeah, in big roles, they also are shackled to New Line Cinema. Yeah. Oh, because gotcha. they do Lord of the Rings stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's like, what well, almost killed them. One thing I want to see Warcraft be doing, and the only one. I know of that's a commercial company offhand is Muffy Disc with their Fallout game. Just having companies, the company sell me an STL for their game. Right. Like, like no, I will pay you and your licensing fees for this game. Yeah. I just don't want to pay $20 for, you know, a dog meat miniature. Like, right. Well, let's say, I, I was just having the thought with this where, and I know this will like never happen because it's just, People don't really think of things these ways, but like I thought the same with games, where it's like, you know, you have it for five years, ten years, whatever, and I think more and more that time needs to be less because things kind of move on quicker. Yeah, but it's like, look, sell the crap out of it. No one can do anything with it. That's fine. But if you're going to then abandon it and no longer produce it, yeah, just put out the files. 
Oh yeah, and, and like it, you it, can it, sell them. I don't care, but make them available. Yeah, uh, even if just you know for the sake of just archiving it. So no, it's we're, like we're seeing that so much with uh, with other add uh with like arcade stuff, where it's like, oh no, this is abandoned ware completely. Right. But no, you can't have it. It's like no, no, I want to pay you money for it. Right. Well, and, and, and I, I've, I've, I've yeah, and I've I think we've had this conversation about like video games, where it's like especially if you're not even like at least continuing the series yeah. of a game but it's like you know once that game's been out for 10 years just it's free yeah just whatever your copyright's done anyone can do whatever the hell they want with it i think bethesda will talk to you about Sky- selling you skyrim one more time <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. right well and, and, and granted there would have to be caveats to that because like it'd be one of those where, like it'd be like x number of years after you are no longer actively selling it, yeah, which is kind of weird now too with like, like platforms like Steam, because you can buy games that were first on Steam, like oh I have fifteen oh, yeah. years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I own that, that's Close how Combat and multiple versions. You know, of it. so like it, yeah, it would have to be different. It, you know, that was m- much more for like you know games that obviously only ever came out on physical media. Yeah, and now I, that, that, you want a copy. That gives like my more radical views on copyright, but like for for just like games. Like, because I always hear the argument people like, well, people just pirate it if they sell the STL. It's like they are literally pirating like the physical objects already. Like, people that are gonna like rip off company are gonna do it regardless of what practices happening. Sam, but you wouldn't download a car, would you? (laughs) (laughs) And that's the problem. (laughs) Have you you seen like the RC car builds that are on? Oh yeah, it's amazing. Like you could three print. Crazy RC cars. Oh, totally. I, I always I find it funny is like probably like one of the most backfired like um, advertising campaigns, like or just that statement that yeah. you wouldn't download a car because everyone who heard that went, uh, no, one hundred percent would. And like, and, and to be clear, if you let me pay you for my digital car, I will do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like what I like. You know, if I was my for my college party days to now where I like I pay for Netflix and I pay for Amazon Prime and I pay for Hulu. For sure. And at some point when something is not on one of the like hundred and sixty five free stores I pay for, I'm just like, well fine, I'll pirate it. This is your fault. Like, <laughs> I literally pay everyone possible to see this. Right. Like, well it's like oh there was something I was looking into the other day um where Katie and I were talking about some old T V shows and the T V show Who's the Boss came up. Yeah. And we we've talked about it before but like you cannot get that. A lot of them is for either um, guest stars or music. Well, okay, what... there there is that, and there, there is as a quick aside. There's the funny thing of if you watch House MD on Netflix, the opening credit song is definitely not Massive Attack. It's something similar to but legally distinct from that they put in for that because they they didn't have the license for like post broadcast oh versions of that song, so they had to change. Same, same thing with them. Charmed. It has a completely different intro. Right. Yeah. But with with yeah. Who's the Boss and a couple of other TV shows, what had happened with that was they there was like a, a network that syndicated it, mm-hmm. and there was some confusion in the licensing agreement with it, and someone didn't get paid, and it's still in litigation to this day. Golly. And because of that, it's not allowed to be released. Yeah. So like they're supposedly really. I think it's Who's the Boss. Maybe it's a different show. They're releasing a like a sequel series to it with the same actors and the same characters, but you can't watch the original because it's still under litigation. That, that's weird. I mean, and that's weird completely. That's amazing. <laughs> but there's some like even more modern shows that just ran for a season and they just refused to put a streaming platform. Like, um, right. 
There's one. My wife really likes the show Chelsea. Uh, oh, right. It, it's a My Fair Lady. Right. And anyway, it was on for a season. And it was on Hulu for a while. And then it got taken off Hulu. And you literally, like, I'm like, I want to buy it. Like, you can't. Digitally, a DVD, Dude. something. And what I had to do was just find some guy on Etsy that had, like, they were on his DVR. Right. And he made me, like, a really nice fan, like, edit of it. And I'm like, cool, I'll pay you, I guess. Because I just want this. Like, right. It's a thing right now, specifically, well, I think there's, like, a spin on it, too, where I, this is probably another, you could do a whole episode about, like, physical media returning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After, I, in my pinpoint for it is the Charlie Brown scare. Mm-hmm. Oh, that? Apple bought Charlie Brown a year or two ago. Okay. Just, like, all of Peanuts? Yeah, they, they own Charlie Brown. And okay. it was the only, it's been the only year in, like, Charlie Brown's history where it was not on at Thanksgiving. Oh, oh shit. People lost their minds. Charlie Brown DVDs were going for, like, $110 for, like, a week and a half. Because they couldn't get it. Right. And they were just like, Charlie Brown's gone forever. Apple owns it until they resell it digitally, and we can't get, like, physical versions of X, Y, and Z. Soundtracks, the, we have, we got some of the vinyl, which is the reason we figured this out. Right. We're like, why is this vinyl 50 bucks? Mm-hmm. And it was because we, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the reason. But I think that's kicked off somewhat of a scare where folks are like, if they really care about a show or something, they're like, sure, it's on Hulu or Netflix right now. Where is it going to be in two years? Right. Yeah, I remember and, that happening with, that's um, my problem. I think it was The Office and Peacock. Where like Peacock right. was, was literally advertising on having yeah. The Office. And there's this movement of like, you guys know the DVD box at The Office is like 55 bucks on Amazon, right? Like, just, just go, just like, go just, buy just, it. Just go buy it. And you could, you could literally watch The Office whenever you, you want, want. Like, well you that's i mean that's very much why like the the whole point of like things getting pulled is very much why like i still have a decent collection of actual physical versions of like the stuff that i really love yeah like there was a really funny one a few years ago where the licensing deal i think it was on netflix for groundhog day expired on february 1st <laughs> the day before and it was just like so all of a sudden it was like oh you know what i can't watch groundhog day today because Whoop. crap it's gone yeah I mean, it's it's not uh, ownership is gonna get weird in the next like 10 years but the, the entire concept of well especially like, with so much stuff moving to digital I mean, yeah. even physical things being digital like but it's the yeah there's also stuff. an inverse which is interesting but it's more niche stuff because like what i've noticed with um i forgot what triggered i think it was guillermo del toro said something about Ultraman two years ago. Mm-hmm. And someone, Shout Factory, decided to get a license to get D- Blu-rays and DVDs made in the States. Okay. And it popped off because everyone that was an Evangelion nerd who had always heard about Ultraman for, yeah. was like, what is this? And like, oh, Ultraman rules. So now, like, every single Ultraman show ever is getting Blu-rays and DVDs in the States. Because someone was talking about it, and um, we still don't have Cayman Rider. But a couple of these things from out of country where it's like, they're being like, the Americans are buying that stuff? And it's like, yeah, they're buying Blu-rays of this if you'll just give us the license. That's crazy. Yeah. Because uh, Disco, I think it's Disco Tech is the name of the company, but they do, they try to find, this is what I'm way interested in, is stuff that's just not physical media, does not exist for it. Or mm-hmm. hasn't since like the 60s or the 70s. And getting Blu-rays and DVDs made of it. They've got a lot of Japanese Lupin movies imported over on DVD. A big one last year was Nutcracker Fantasy, okay. which is the um, animation team for Rack and Bass. It was a, it was a Japanese-only thing they did, 
mm-hmm. they didn't get to the states but they went and got this sort of rack and bass movie in quotes of the nutcracker but not rack and bass is just the animation people right right because right. they did all their stuff over in japan yeah that's so weird that's yeah like, we, we like something that's going to have to get settled of like it, like owning digital things and like yeah it like it, and three hundred is only going to get more common like Oh, I mean, like, right. we're not at that point yet that, you know, Brie Pettis, you know, back in the early 2010s was like, everyone will have a, uh, uh, he was the founder of MakerBot, or one of them, but um, okay. you know, everyone will have a 3D printer in their home, and they'll just print the things that they need. We're not there, because there's still not that level of, you know, hit the button, and now you have the, the part, and, and we're, I mean, we're getting there. We're at level now, I mean, this happened with role-playing games, I don't know how long ago, but, like, there was this big argument of them, of, like, well, we can't sell the PDF of our rules. Oh, people yeah. People will just distribute it. Right. Like, we have to, like, sell the actual book. And, like, it was just, like, because, oh, like, who owns a digital file once someone, once someone pays $10 for it? Right. Are they just going to distribute it? And, and the answer is, some people will, but a lot of people are still just going to pay you the $10. Well, yeah. yeah the, that's the, like the, the... Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, the uh, Power by the Apocalypse guy who's just like, here's my rules. They're free. I'm yeah. also, I also sell the book for $10. It was just like, he went like posted on Twitter, like his sales, where it was like, where people just saw the rules and they're like, yeah, I'll buy a copy of this. Like, right. Yeah. Well, I, I find like the, the sales schemes of those things are, are interesting because like, you know, especially with back in the early 2000s and stuff and all the, the music recording industry was like freaking out. because like, people are stealing our music and we're losing business. It's like, you weren't though, because they weren't going to pay for it anyways. Yeah. Like, you know, they might have paid less for it. And then, like, you even get into things where, like, um, Nine Inch Nails and, like, Radiohead and a few others started doing pay what you want. And those just went, like, crazy because... Yeah, Nine Inch Nails just... Yeah, it exploded. They sold more than they would thought than they thought because when you have that thing, there are a lot of people, like, apparently all of us, who are willing to pay for the thing. Yeah. There's a lot of people who think that they're entitled to get it for free, which I think is oddly is really more of a minority and then there's a lot of people that are like well you know i can't pay you a hundred dollars but i can pay you 10 yeah and if you go cool yeah i think i think it's ten dollars hard to get that like the the business guys of like no the way we're gonna make more money is we're gonna make this easier to steal it's like wait what (laughs) i mean like but it it kind of can work out that well it can work i mean like um again with with you know nine inch nails and trent Reznor, like he just like through USB sticks with like all of his music on it, like non DRM'd, and even like started like at, out at concerts, yeah, and even like started releasing the like oh, whatever the the software they use for you know mixing music Pro Tools or whatever yeah. it was, like the master like I, project file, so people could mix and match their own, and the stuff went crazy because everyone was like they got literal like remix records he'd later sold I'm yeah they, sure. they got they got free advertising for and, it and everyone wanted and it that, i mean that's weird for musicians because they make a lot of money at concerts too right which is not true of like a television show this, this is true this, this <laughs> television concerts i do always find it funny though where like especially this has happened with musicians or i think it even happened with a couple of books where it's like oh no it leaked onto BitTorrent. yeah <sighs> oops and like they totally did it themselves but right. it was just a I know uh, Death Grips did that 110% when yeah. they were first. Like, right. they were just like, our, our hot new single actually got released. Definitely don't go download it. Yeah. And this, and this magnet link. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, exactly. that band, they had a falling out with their record label. The record label was just, and they're like, we'll just put it out there for free. The record label was like, no, you won't. And they're just like, 
the label's like, damn, we just yeah. lost that deal. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a weird thing. I mean, to tie back, like, increased consumption can, like, help. Like, even if someone doesn't pay for something, right. they can, if they tell someone else that that person does pay for it, right? if the first person I got it for free, would you have gotten either one of them interested in what you were doing? Right. Is a, is a weird... Well, it's like, I, I feel like with things like, you know, for example, like on Audible, mm-hmm. I would love it if it was a lot easier for me to be like, hey, Sam, here's the book. Here's the first book. Yeah, in the series. for real. Because, like, I mean, like, you know, the the Veridian Gate Online books, like, you told me about it. Like, if you had just, I, I, I would have bought it anyways at your at your recommendation. But, like, for someone who was, maybe was on the fence, it's like, well, here's the first book. Yeah. And then goes and buys the other seven. I mean, that, that's what, I mean, I met, um... James Hunter at DragonCon, mm-hmm. and, and he literally like just gave you the book, gave me the book, and I've since bought the entire series, got in Adam to buy <laughs> the entire series and all the sub series on audiobook. Right, it's like cool. I that's... would happily like gift the 40k audiobooks I have or the fantasy audiobooks I have. Or just like here, listen to this, and then go crazy. Yeah, well, 40k audiobooks are all day. Like you're clearly not thinking that unless you're into like either the video games or the tabletop game. So I feel like they, they should just give it away for free anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is one of the weird things with digital ownership is like, you know, when they started switching to a lot of like, even console video games being download only. Yeah. Where it's like, well, but how do I sell this? You yeah. know, like that was you a... dope. Yeah, you don't. And that's <laughs> the problem. But it's like, even beyond selling it, I mean, there was plenty of times, you know, in high school or college where it was just like, oh, hey, can I borrow the game for a week? Yeah. Yeah. And then, then I go out and buy it myself. So like, it, it's interesting with the printable stuff where it's like, you can at least kind of get a taste of it, and then like, yeah. how you know, how is that going to work really licensing wise? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. People love it. Is the people selling three D printers? <laughs> yes, this is true because that well, has absolutely exploded. I mean, Elegoo and like has sold I don't know how many bars during twenty twenty, but a lot. A lot. well, given given the fact that they're constantly out of stock, yeah, both the um like the Photon series and or Anycubic and Elegoo like are always out of stock. Like yeah. they're they cannot keep a Chinese manufacturing company cannot keep up with demand, which is insane, stupid. Yeah, it's yeah. weird to think about because like I still have to explain to my like certain folks I don't think will ever rock it because I don't own a resin printer. Don't know if I will. Mm-hmm. We'll see, in a year, you guys can laugh at me when I have like one or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the way it works. They 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 replicate. Yeah, yep. I mean we already got um Michael already has his in his garage. Yeah, it's just like. But I walk into your garage, I was just like, I don't know if I'm here yet. <laughs> I think what will happen is if I get insulation in my garage better off than it is right now, right. that would be a spike. Because my issue with my garage is, like, super gross. Just because there's, it's, like you were talking about, where you did your remodel for yours. I think it's going to be a thing where, like, in the next few years, like, every wargaming group of nerds oh, that's is, is going to have at least one yeah. printer. At this point. I have yet to meet a group that right. doesn't have at least one guy. Who's well, and, the, and and again, like this is kind of bringing it back to like how that relates to like the FDN printers. Like resin is very much five to seven or eight years yeah. behind because back when you know back that long ago, I was the guy that had the FDN printer amongst the group of us. Like, hey, yeah, right. print a thing, and it's fine. So, yeah, another five years, more people will have them because they'll be easier to use. They'll be cheaper to buy which although i'm not sure how you can get much cheaper than a, a 199 I, I think you're you're gonna get the 199 like the mars 6 or whatever it's gonna be like right. 199 and also like it has a resin reservoir that i'm not like pouring it in it, a bottle it, by hand right. while it's running and you're right it, i mean it'll be the same thing with like you know my person minis where it's you know they were 350 but they have features that my 
you know, old $2,000 printer never even dreamed yeah. of. Yeah, one that comes to my head immediately for resin is air filtration system. Yeah, like, right. Like, as soon as you, like, like, they need to start, I'm sure they are, like, some spec model where it's like, how do we make this less of a, like, Less like, of an issue. I mean, yeah, like less of like that, not that is a complicated more. thing. Right. I mean, even you're technically supposed to do that with Afghan printers. I don't, but yeah. like, well, and also like having like, even even like, just oh my god, I don't have to like literally pour the resin into an open vat. Just like here, this has like uh like some kind of receptacle. That I just like socket it in, right? And it, it takes care of it yeah, for me. Yeah, if they, if they can figure it out, where it's literally it's you fill it more like you um, put a new bottle of water on like a water cooler, where you're just like there you go. Yeah, I mean the, the downside of that is. That makes it much harder compared to like FTM to like swap out resins. But like, yeah. how often do you change what type of resin you're you're printing with? Never. Yeah. See, like, like, I, I I came up with a mix and I use it. I actually I <laughs> if actually you want a model. It's gonna come out great because yeah. that's the resin I have. Well, like, I, actually, <laughs> I actually came across a bottle of Soraya Tech Blue, like the engineering grade stuff. Yeah. That I still had, and I was like, I should give this to Sam. I was like, he won't use it. I mean, I will use that. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll use yeah, but it's one of those things where, like, you have to swap out the vat and yeah. all that stuff. And I still need to get a better funnel because I still have the, the funnel that if you pour resin too fast, it collapses. Oh, yes. And, and that's like when you just have a biohazard. In I, I totally didn't do that once or twice. Yeah. That's always but, like that. Because I know for myself, I'm a being of chaos. And that's what always gives me, like, like, I'll get it eventually. I just have to make sure I'm still not a being of chaos because like honestly wait a generation on these which can be right. like a year yeah. Well, and yeah. it's one of those things where if you can get them where like they auto load themselves if you can get them where they fail less and the cleaning up a failure is easier yeah I could also see okay I want to print in three different types of resins I have three resin printers yeah I've got a... at that point if they're cheap enough that's not that crazy no I mean you know, I, I kind of do that with my FDM stuff. Not for right. war gamers, where we're like, I want, you know, uh, Cold War, Cold War era American tanks, and I just spent three hundred dollars on pewter that's coming from England now. Like, and that's right. like a normal, like no, no one would blink at me if I told Caleb I did that. He'd be like, "Cool, when are they getting here?" Yeah, like, awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> hell yeah! You know, I like later this month, I am probably ordering like four hundred dollars of stuff from England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, when you're like, no, this is a four dollar machine that will print everything right like, like it's it's the only thing that's keeping it is not it's ease of use at this point yeah, yeah it's, well, it's, it's ease of use it's just yeah the um the big one a big barrier for a lot of folks is they have an apartment yep yeah, right and, um, and you do not oh my god do yeah. not use a brother printer indoor no it's just like, like the... i used low low odor resin in my garage and right. i can still smell it in my house sometimes it permeates just, it's, like it's, it's very thin and it just moves on the current yeah. well i mean it's like we were you know since I work in the laser industry, like we still run into that with people being like, you know, what can I do about the smell, uh, you know, of from engraving stuff in my laser? Where are you running it on my kitchen table? Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, Please. and, and, and I'm talking, and health. I'm talking about like <laughs> diode lasers, so they're like not even enclosed at oh, all. Man. There's no exhaust. There's not. It's just it's just a gantry with a diode laser on it, and you're just engraving. It. It's like. Like I've done that in in this office, and the entire room looks like a Cheech and Chong concert. <laughs> looks like it's filled with weed smoke. No, I'm aware, but Cheech and Chong are our movies, not musicians. Yeah, but they would also do like stand up, not concert, but a oh, a show. 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 There we go. Flaming Lips concert. There's a good experience. What? <laughs> Flaming Lips concert. Yeah, that. <laughs> I, I was I was trying the to visualize like fish concert. Fish what, concert. What, what <laughs> 
Sorry, what are those? Visualize tie dye. Yeah, and no, like, like Katie, <laughs> I, I Katie walked by my office one day, like when I like, had done the, the that big plotter, and it just it was just a haze of smoke on the, the top. But I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm still working on the exhaust. That's incredible. Yeah, but and I companies need to like adjust to that fact. Like these printers are are there, right. and the sculptors are right behind. So I don't know if they right. need to get into like selling themselves or being like, hey, you're a Warhammer. A licensed sculptor uh, or something yeah. like, and we like, give me ten percent of your cut. I I don't care what it comes out. The be. only thing they've been doing semi like the three D printer manufacturers because Anycubic's done this at least twice is there's like at least ten if not fifteen wargaming YouTubers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and every single one of them had someone send them a three D printer like Anycubic sent Miniac one I yeah. know where it's just like here's a three D printer. Right. Do a video on it, and yep. of course, it's like the smartest thing on the planet to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, and it, I mean, and it, these are like not defense. Like you can't, as much as David wants to, you cannot like copyright the concept of a space marine. Yeah. Like, like you can just be like, these are my galaxy brothers for my made up war game. Not like, not not forty k. Well, the, and you know, I think one of the th- the things that you come down with that is. Um, and you know this is a thing near and dear to my heart, which is like the copywriting of physical objects, yeah. which I've dealt with with um, open source electronics. Yeah. Where it's like, I can copyright it, but someone can make the exact same circuit. You can't really copyright a circuit. Yeah. yeah. You can it, patent it, this which... Is, this is worth that. This is copywriting like an ephemeral concept. Like, right. Like, no, it's a dude with like big shoulder pads and a gun. Like, you can't do that. It's like, yeah. what? What? The um, I think if I'm trying to, I need to do research on what they actually shut down because I think what the big deal was is not Space Marines because they don't get mad about Space Marines per se. Well, they do. They kind of literally trademark the name Space right. Marine and sued a woman over it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the big one was there was like two or three characters from their books. Mm-hmm. And that's what got like I forgot mm. which guy it was, but some guy, someone made a bust that's like I mean, that's totally legit. Like likenesses of like actual yeah, people. Like, like, very... I, can't, I can't sculpt um Christopher Walken and I just start selling busts of him without him getting well, he might like it. But <laughs> I mean although that's a weird one though, because like there are sculptors that you can buy like like one that was going around on all of the three D printing YouTubes was like a bust of um Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Um, and it was like, it is his likeness and people are selling that STL. Yeah. It's probably not legal. Like as far as, like we were talking about, like as far as anyone caring enough to take right. a- Only, I've seen one instance of where someone cared enough, which it was weird. It was BBC for, um, this war game that does like spy fi mm-hmm. They did a, these are not Doctor Who figures. Oh yeah. Don't mess with, don't mess with Doctor Who. <laughs> BBC did not care until another wargaming company agreed to a license agreement with them, and then they had to tell those other guys. Right. Yeah. Shut I down. mean, it's it's only illegal when it actually impacts your business. Yeah. Which, if they don't have another licensing deal with another company, it's helping their business because more people are into that thing. But as soon as they want to license it with something else, then that's a problem, yeah. and that that's kind of also just a problem about that, like those laws around copyright and you know what and you can do with it was that. a big bummer because the original sculpts were way better than the stuff that the secondary company did i was just like oh you're just mass producing this thing i mean li- <laughs> right. licensing between like game companies and movie studios like the whole the best one is for, in the 3d printing space i was going to say earlier 
um, MechWarrior or Battletech, a, I think it was like an import of something, but the STL came out for it. Battletech people did not care. Mm-hmm. Harmony Gold. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did Very care. upset. Yeah. <laughs> Because it was just like amazing, <laughs> yeah. On how relentless that company was. And, and I mean, that there's a, a lot of inertia around that aspect of like, no, these these like movie studios and stuff are not not giving this up. Like movie they're like, no, yeah. Like, you you know, like Blue Line Cinema with Lord of the Rings stuff at one point. With, yeah, like, that was yeah. a whole uh-huh. mess for GW because they had to anything they wanted to produce that wasn't in the movies that wasn't the Lord of the Rings. I think they had to green light with New Line in case New Line was ever going to do something with it. Because hmm. they didn't want to have like two versions of the same kind of run into like the Marvel problem you yeah. get sometimes. And like, that's the weird yeah. thing. Like, so you could like gulp like Elf Ranger, and that's fine. But if you're like Legolas, then yeah. it's like that's a problem. Right. <laughs> no, that's fair. It's funny that it reminds me a bit of like the, you know, like 80s animation, specifically, obviously, the one that I know about is He Man, where because that show was effectively just an ad for the toys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But unlike a lot of the other shows at the time, Filmation had pretty much the rights to do whatever the hell they felt like <laughs> with the show. They, they had to integrate certain toys that were coming out, but they could also come up with new characters, which normally would be like a big no-no. But so they ended up with toys that were like from the show first that uh, filmation had just come up with. So then you cool. ended up with a lot of toys that didn't really work in real life. But they would try their hardest. Yeah, just uh, you know, and vice versa. You had some that like kind of made sense as like a toy, but then like when it was animated it looked really stupid. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, this store turns into a dinosaur. You can't what? <laughs> yeah, just like it's like right. the old Transformers shot where the freaking uh what's it sound wave comes out of opens up his chest and it's a little cassette, cassette tape. tape that cassette tape turns into a giant robotic panther <laughs> yeah it's fine it's like it works it's i mean and yeah there's stuff like that but it was like one of those where like it was yeah it was like well where did it come from like was where, oh, yeah, were the, the toy creators creating it or did it come from the show first and sometimes that was yeah that's that always with it and they would like they would just come up with completely like random characters and then <laughs> like what i have no idea one of the you're talking about crazy and it's true as far as that stuff goes mm-hmm. Games Workshop with Blizzard. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that one. Mm-mm. Blizzard's folks were making a game for Games Workshop. Okay. Like a video game? Yeah, before Blizzard was a thing. And they did not greenlight it. And then the Blizzard folks went away and made Orcs versus Humans. Oh, so that's where Warcraft came from. Warcraft is a... Was oh, from... <laughs> so they, they were basically doing a game on spec. They were just hoping that they would yeah. purchase it. And then they didn't. And then GW, like, five years later, is just like... Oops. <laughs> well, and that's funny because, like, StarCraft is a lot of the reason that, like, like, they look like GW Space Marines. Like, because they literally were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And it's a lot of reason, like, you can't be like, well, you can't patent big shoulders because StarCraft is right there. And, like, you guys, it's they're not crazy. that different. The like, other. Off Space Marines come from Starship Troopers, or Highland. More than, <laughs> more than Starship Troopers, the big thing Space Marines come from is Judge Dredd. Yeah, that's true. Those dudes were mm. their eighties. They were like twenties, twenty years old in the eighties, and British. So they love Judge Dredd, right? Because yeah. there's a great article about talking about how like all their designs went into like this big riff on eighties <laughs> British culture. Yeah, like they had a bad. I think there was a miniature for at one point. I mean, I guess evil Margaret, like space Margaret Thatcher, the miniature they made. <laughs> I mean, that's what um, 
was it Necromunda's basically yeah exactly like, was it Mega City One because <laughs> they just love that stuff so much. All right, we are at well past our ninety minute mark. We start rambling. Yo, we're rambling now. I don't. I don't know what you're talking I about. Yeah, this was a particularly rambly episode. It's <laughs> my fact. Uh, it's, I don't, it's I don't think we got any conclusions. I had fun. No, I had fun too. There was no conclusions, but there's. I don't think we can have conclusions. Yeah, yeah. there's. It's brought up. I, I think conclusion is three printing is cool and probably here to stay. Yes, and it doesn't surprise me that we ended up going down a rabbit hole of copyright and legal issues around all of this. No, because that is one of the hairy issues where people can make physical objects in their home. <laughs> yep. Unavoidable. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we didn't get into, I mean, we could, but we didn't get to like, oh yeah, like parts for your car, like, which are theoretically Toyota specific parts or something. I, I was actually going to bring some of that about that about Ford because the new Ford Maverick, the even smaller pickup truck. Yeah. Um, they have like accessories for it. Yeah. But they are going to release like the CAD files for like the interface. Oh, that's to, cool. To connect them in there. So you can just like 3D print your own Yeah. I, I want to see more of that for companies. Like, right. Don't, don't make some guy pirate your design. Just let me give you $5. Right. <laughs> yeah. Make it easy to give me money, to give you money. Yeah. But and yeah. That's our big, big thing. Uh, Caleb, any parting words? Nothing I think of. Good. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for listening to episode, I think, five. We decided five. I think it we was. Had, I said five. And, uh, yeah. Bye. After our music. <laughs> <laughs>